What up, guys? Your boy Quake back with a brand new episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast, number 264, powered by the one and only Golden Eagle Energy Drink. They're sponsored this whole season four of the podcast, so please show them love and support at drinkgoldeneagle.com forward slash DMP. The link is in the description below. If you're watching this, if you're listening to the audio, just go to drinkgoldeneagle.com forward slash DMP. Get you a 24-pack, man. If you enjoy energy drinks, why not, man? But let's get into it. And, you know, I've had this, this saying stuck in my head for the past week. And it's big, beautiful, titty, big, 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 big. Like, bro, I'm tired of hearing that shit. Like, I'm tired of hearing that in my head. Big, beautiful, big, butt, naked, titty, big, big, sky, you know? Like, I'm like, bro, I got to. Because I've been bumping the Vultures album, and yes, I'm going to give you guys a review at the end of this episode, and I want to talk about when I'm going to do the live episode of the podcast, and I figured out this is the date that I want to do it on, so this is the date, Friday, actually, hold on, sorry, I switched it up, I just remember right now, so Friday the 23rd, so this upcoming week, you guys got this episode for a reminder, and Thursdays. Friday the 23rd, if, because I'm facing some issues with the OBS system, it's having those issues of going live. If I can't make it work, I'm going to be gone March 1st, so I can't do Friday, March 1st. But if I can't make it work, I'll do March 8th live. And then we'll go live again that same month of March on March 29th. So though that I'm going to try to make it this the 23rd. If I can't get it, just pay attention to my social medias. You know, and I'll probably keep you guys updated on the Thursday episode of the podcast. But if I can't go live because I'm facing all, I don't know what, what it is with the system. I tried restarting. I tried reinstalling, doing things. I'm still facing issues with it. Back when I did the Lloyd Banks live stream, I had the same issues. So I'm going to try for Friday, the 23rd, February. If not, I will try March 29th. And I'm sorry, not 29th, March 8th and 29th. So we'll do both. We'll do since I missed this month's live, if I can't do it this Friday, um, We'll do it twice in March to make up for it. And yeah, I want to set up a type of show that you guys can call in. You know, I'll give you guys the number and all that. Uh, I'm going to see if I can figure it, figure it out. Set up more than likely, probably not. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Yeah, let's just, let's, let's aim for March 8th. <laughs> I apologize. We'll aim for March 8th. I'll try for the 23rd, but more than likely March 8th will be the time. I'm going to be gone March 1st. So I would love to do it then, but, uh, Friday, March 8th is more than likely what's going to happen. Um, and then March 29th as well. So I'll look into that, try to get this thing fixed. I tried the past couple of days figuring out what's going on with it, but still facing issues, going on forums, trying to figure out what's going on. I hate when I have like tech no technology problems because this is what I wish I was really, really rich for. So I could just hire people and I don't have to worry about any of this other extra stuff. I can just kind of do what I like to do and that's it. But uh, hopefully one day I get to that level where I can just, hire people to deal with all the techno technology issues because I'm tired of dealing with them and having to work them through every single time. So, uh, yeah, I'll keep you guys updated on the next episode. Probably more likely March 8th will be the time when we go live. I know it's disappointing, but good news is I got the Vultures review. So I will be reviewing the Kanye album at the end of this episode. So let's get into the news. Let's see what is going on in the news cycle. A lot of it is going to be updates, uh, court things, lawsuits, whatever the case may be. And we're going to start out immediately with young Dolph's alleged killer getting scolded by the judge for giving interviews. Uh, let's go over the article. In Shelby, Shelby County, Tennessee, young Dolph's accused murderer has been, has been issued a warning by the judge 
presiding over the case to refrain from engaging with the media while the trial is still underway. One of the prime suspects in the case, Hernandez Govan, was arrested for the crime in 2022 and charged with first-degree murder, attempted first-degree murder, and conspiracy to commit first-degree murder. Soon after, he was granted a bond for 90000 and put on house arrest so he could not, so he could find work to take care of his family. On Friday, February 16th, Shelby County Judge uh, J. Jennifer Mitchell criticized the defendant for talking to a journalist. She said this, I shouldn't have to remind you that you're out on bond. Uh, she began, at this point, the court feels like you're playing and playing fast and loose with the court and these stipulations, and I don't like that. You have filed a motion through your attorney asking me to review your bond conditions, and before we could do that, I get a message from a concerned citizen that you're out doing interviews. Whether you're talking about this case or not, you're doing interviews. The court doesn't like the fact that you feel free enough to do interviews because what could be happening is that you could be in jail, and it's a whole lot easier to supervise you there, but you've been given an opportunity to post a bond with bond conditions, and you're not doing those things you need to do. She added, we're going to review those bond conditions on March 1st, but let me take, but let me make myself extremely clear to you that you are to not have any interviews with anybody for any reason. DA told reporters that Govan did not talk about the case during his 28-minute interview, which was posted on YouTube. It wasn't the smartest thing to talk from house arrest, you know, in a YouTube video, but it wasn't anything about the case. And in fact, he would say no comment anytime someone asked him about the case. Paul Hagerman explained to Memphis Mock Fox 13. They talked about rap music, various rappers, and they talked some about Mr. Goldman's daughter that is deceased now. He was asked two or three times about the case that he did not answer. So, you know, this guy's trying to trying to get any type of clout, which is unfortunate. Man. This is why I hate when individuals who are nobodies kill somebody that is somebody because they do this type of stuff. They get clout from it. They try to, you know, make, try to get any type of money from the situation, which is unfortunate. I think these people should not be out on bond, especially if they've been accused of having any role in any type of murder. I don't care. There should be no bond set. You know, until everything gets settled and figured out, then you're free as a bird if you didn't do it or you're caged up like a bird if you did do it. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those sad situations where, you know, the, the person that murders the hardworking individual that actually built their name um, gets a lot of attention and clout from that person they killed. And we've seen it over and over again, thousands and thousands of times. So fuck these individuals that did this stuff. Stop giving them attention. That's why I never mentioned the guy who killed Nipsey Hussle in my Nipsey Hussle documentary because I didn't want to give him any clout. He doesn't deserve any attention. The guy did not work hard at all to have his name attached to Nipsey Hussle. The guy did something wrong to get his name attached to Nipsey Hussle. He's a sucker, a loser, pretty much, to get his name attached to somebody who worked their whole life to build up their name to get the recognition that they got. So, yeah, we'll keep our eye on this. And, um, you know, at least he didn't talk about the case. So that's something that could help him out in this situation. Uh, speaking of crazy twists and turns, man, because a lot of these cases have been having insane things come up and different things and people trying to, you know, intertwine in this and say this and that. The YSL Rico case, something happened that caught the internet by storm. And it's that the defense attorney, yes, Young Thug's defense attorney, was arrested in the courtroom on gang-related charges. Think about that. You hired a defense attorney that's supposed to protect you Relating to all this gang stuff, 
and she gets caught in a gang-related situation. That is the craziest twist I think I've ever heard. I don't know, in a courtroom. Not the craziest in a courtroom, because there's been a lot of crazy twists, but this is very up there. It's very high up there. I don't know who the hell Young Thug's hiring or what's going on, but let's go over the article. The YSL Rico trial has taken yet another odd turn as a defense attorney has just been arrested in the courtroom on gang-related charges. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, was on hand in the courtroom on February 16th when Nicole Fagan, Tenquarius's Mender's attorney, was arrested and charged with participating in criminal street gang activity and criminal solicitation to commit the offense of tampering with evidence. She had previously been successful in getting his case severed from other defendants' pending cases. The charges, however, are not directly related to the YSL Rico trial. Rather, according to the outlet, Fagan uh, was allegedly involved in an unrelated deadly shooting on the corner of Williams and Baker Streets in Atlanta back in December 2022. According to the charges, Fagan allegedly told one of the shooters to dispose of the gun they used in the murder and allegedly contacted another defendant about an active warrant for his arrest. Fagan was taken to processing in Gwinnett County and will eventually be transported to Fulton County Jail, which incidentally is where the other defendants, including Young Thug, are being held. <laughs> Fans of the YSL Collective immediately began looking up Fagan's Instagram uh, upon news of his arrest, with many commenting on posts that they thought were less than professional. Amongst the questionable posts include a meme featuring Fagan where she's bending down and squinting with the caption when opposing counsel whips out surveillance, uh, video surveillance of your client and you try to act like you can't tell who it is. Another post featured Fagan sitting on the floor with racks of dollar bills arranged, spelling the word broken. Yet another post featured Fagan holding a gun, wearing a spaghetti-strapped black dress with the caption, if your, name, if your man's name holds weight, you can't just be out here acting like a regular bitch with a hundred emoji. Yeah, she is, like, if you go over her Instagram page, she is so unprofessional. Like, I would never in a million years hire somebody like that from, to be my lawyer. I don't want my la lawyer knowing about slang. I don't want my lawyer... Rapping to rap songs. I don't want my lawyer dancing to TikTok videos. I don't want my lawyer doing nothing. I want him to be boring and just on my case and not in the public eye. That's what you expect of lawyers. You don't expect them making memes. Like she copied the 50 cent photo where he wrote the broken cash. She wrote the same thing. She's over here rapping a slime this and slime that. Why I sell this? Why I sell that? She's got photos of guns and shit all over the place. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's, insane for somebody that's a lawyer a defense attorney that is the most unprofessional way to be a defense attorney like i get it use social media to promote yourself okay but you can do that in a professional way the way she's doing it is just ridiculous i mean ridiculous i would never in a million years hire a defense attorney that has anything remotely like that on her social medias i get it we're in a different era you know now People my age, I'm 28, around my age, they're more socially inclined with social media. They're more active on social media. They like to express themselves. I get that. But certain professions, you want to stay off social media. You don't want to express yourself because it's going to look bad for you. At least anybody with common sense wouldn't hire you. I would never in a million years, if you're looking over a page, never in a million years hire. Super unprofessional. And I hope this teaches her a lesson. Um, I don't know what's going to happen to her, you know, her whole case with what she's doing out. But, yeah, it's just, uh, it's horrible. So, uh, we'll keep our eye on this. But it was a crazy twist, man. Uh, very crazy twist in this whole thing. 
Black Youngster. There's some updates on Black Youngster's brother who got uh, unfortunately killed. And let's go over the article. Black Youngster's family is one step closer to getting justice for the August 2023 murder of his brother as the Memphis Police Department has taken their prime suspect into custody. According to CBS affiliate WREG, 28-year-old Randy Darnell Ewing Jr. was arrested on Tuesday night, February 13th in a joint effort between MFD's fugitive team and U.S. Marshals. The man who was armed when he was arrested was immediately taken to the hospital for treatment to a bite wound caused by the canine officer who ultimately apprehended him. Uh, he was then transported to the Shelby County Jail. Ewing had been considered a suspect in the case almost immediately following the death of Tamanuel Benson in a shooting at an area at an area BP gas station on August 18th. Since then, he has been wanted on an open warrant for charges of second-degree murder, criminal attempt, second-degree murder, and a firearm offense. The charges were amended from the original single court of second-degree murder and two counts of attempted second-degree murder. Police discovered the CMG rapper's brother unconscious near a Valero BP gas station in South Memphis. Uh, Tamania was then rushed to Regional One Hospital, but was pronounced dead upon arrival. Black Youngster spoke out for the first time following the tragedy on August 20th, stating he would make the world pay for what happened and that he is ready for whatever come with the shit. Yeah, it's been going back and forth, man, and I don't want to put names into who did what and did what, but Memphis is probably one of the most violent areas um, when it comes to rappers dying and just gang activity. Um, and it, and it, isn't, it doesn't get... not. I don't want to say credit because that's not a good thing to get credit for, but it doesn't get the, I guess the recognition or like the, the spotlight of being one of the most violent places. Cause Chirac gets that a lot. Um, but Memphis is up there, man. It's really up there. It's crazy. Uh, so we'll keep our eye on this. They caught him and we'll see, you know, he's probably going to go to trial court, whatever, and then keep an update on what's going on. I'm sure black youngster, you know, is happy and his family's happy that some type of justice is happening. Um, but you know, sad situation overall. Puffy, a.k.a. Diddy, has hired a top lawyer. Someone that's representing, just, I don't know how to pronounce it. I always mess up her name. Just Lane Maxwell, which is uh, the woman that was married or dating uh, Jeffrey Epstein with the whole, you know, sex island stuff. So uh, Diddy has apparently hired the same person. So Diddy has called in the legal big guns for his current sexual assault case, hiring Bobby... Sternheim and re to replace New York City Attorney Jonathan Davis to represent him in court. According to court documents obtained by Hip Hop DX, Sternheim filed her notice of appearance with the so Southern District of New York on Thursday, February 15th. And Sternheim, a former president of the New York Women's Bar Association, previously made headlines for defending Jesseline Maxwell, the infamous associate of the late Jeffrey Epstein, in her sex trafficking case. According to New York Post, uh, Sternheim also previously represented Osama bin Laden's henchman. Khalad Al-Fawaz and his 2015 trial over the 1998 uh, U.S. embassy bombings in Africa that killed more than 200 people. Um, yeah, so this was uh, filed back in November. Remember when Diddy was getting all these lawsuits and uh, sexual assault lawsuits and cases started out with Cassie and then just spiraled onto a bunch of people. So uh, Diddy's going to be spending a lot of money and a lot of time defending himself in a lot of these cases. So that's why we're not really seeing much of Diddy, man. The guy's kind of just went MIA. He would have probably showed up to the Grammy Awards. He would have showed up to a lot of different things. But he's laying low because, you know, getting accused of all these things is not a good look. I'm sure he's embarrassed, and, you know, we'll see what happens with a lot of these things. But he's definitely hiring the best of the best. I mean, this person 
is taking anybody. Look at this. Like Osama bin Laden's henchman she took. Is it a she? No, no, it's Bobby Sternham. Yeah, so this person took literally Osama bin Laden's henchman, Giselle Maxwell, and now Diddy. Like, that's insane company to be a part of. But some lawyers don't care. That's why I say I can't, oh, I can't, I just can't be a lawyer because my morals will too, have too much to say when it comes to defending somebody. You know, I get it. You could, you could really, like, you can defend somebody that was locked up, you know, completely wrong and there's evidence. That's amazing. And you can do that. But then there's people that defend people that they know is guilty, but will defend them just for money because they know the person's rich and that they'll get a big payday out of it, regardless if they win or not the case. I can't do that. If I find out my client is guilty and I know the evidence is there, you're on your own, buddy. Peace out. I don't care what you're paying me. My morals just could not do it. So uh, that has nothing to do with the Diddy case. I don't know if he's guilty or not. I'm just saying in general. Uh, you know, that's why I could never be a lawyer because my morals will play way too much of a role into it before I could even defend anybody. I'd have to fucking know for a fact this guy's innocent. So, yeah, we'll keep our eye on this. Speaking of trial courts, guilty or not, Troy Ev, man, 2016 shooting. It looks like he's finally going to go in to serve whatever time he got from it. So let's go over the article. Troy Ave has apparently begun serving his prison sentence following a shooting incident in 2016 that resulted in the de death of his bodyguard. Uh, the Brooklyn rapper and podcaster Tax Stone got into a fight at a TI concert at NYC's Irving Plaza, which resulted in Av getting shot twice, his bodyguard Ronald Banga McFadder murdered, and two bystanders injured. Uh, Tax Stone was sentenced to 35 years of prison, while Troy Av was handed a reduced one-year stint in jail. Uh, Troy Av spoke about going away in an Instagram video caption, free Troy Av. Uh, let's play the clip for you guys and see what Troy Av has to say. All right, child, here you go. About to run up in the court. You might keep me, you might not see me for a while. But just know, the streets is a myth. All the people that was in the car with me, I ended up taking the guns. You know what I'm saying? Somebody shot at me. Instead of me laying down and dying, I'd have been a hero or a martyr. I took the gun and bust back. You know what I'm saying? And, and here you have it. Here go the consequences. But we don't cry over spilled milk. We take the lemons and we make lemonade. You feel me? Daughter's grading the paper straight. Y'all keep supporting. Y'all keep running it up. Send the prayers up. Prayers count more than anything, you heard? And, um, you know, kids straight. Family straight. Fans straight. I'm up out of here, y'all. Yeah. I mean consequences come with these things. So, uh, you know, Kornav said it better. Uh, he also discussed his sentencing on his podcast, The Academy, saying, because of New York self-defense laws, I probably got to be away from my kids and my loved ones and my businesses and my employees and the life that I built for myself. But I said before, and I'll say it again, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Addressing life in jail, he said, I'm not trying to be, I'm not trying to win the toughest guy in jail competition. I just want to be the richest guy. I'm going to play dominoes, do my push-ups, read some books, and take some time to recharge the battery. Uh, one year sucks, but, uh, you know, it is it is a good time. It's a good way to reset if you have a lot going on. Uh, he also says this, when you go to prison, that's God saving you from yourself. And if you don't take that time and come out greater, that's on you. I agree. You know, uh, Gucci, perfect examples, Gucci Man and Kevin Gates. Both of them are very good examples of people that got locked up, came out better people. So... It can work towards your favor, and it can make you a better person if you truly want to be that. 
like he's saying, read books, do push-ups. You know, you'll learn a lot. You'll get healthier with the push-ups working out. So, you know, it's one year. It's not too bad. You know, I know a year, regardless, a year being locked up, a day being locked up in a box is hell. But, you know, could have been a lot worse, man. He could have been dead, you know, even though, unfortunately, his bodyguard passed away. A lot of different things could have happened. So, uh, yeah, we'll keep our eye on Tackstone and see. Not Tackstone, sorry. Troy Ave. And uh, see if there's anything new that comes out down the line. Benzino has been on a media press run after the battle with Eminem got reignited. Of course, Eminem dropped the Doomsday 2 track going at Benzino. And then Benzino responded with his two tracks, Vultures and Rap Elvis. And ever since then, he's been doing media press runs, doing interviews, talking about the tracks, and just talking overall about his beef with Eminem and his career. He even stopped by my podcast, and we talked for roughly over an hour about Eminem and his Benzino's upbringing and stuff like that. And I felt we had a great conversation. I pushed back on a lot of stuff that he said about Eminem, and then he made some valid points uh, about Eminem and just Eminem stands in general that... uh take things a little too far because I've I've been on the receiving end of that so when he said that it made a lot of sense to me because even when I did my Machine Gun Kelly versus Eminem video you know I got a lot of backlash from Eminem stands not fans the ones that you know you have great conversations with about hip-hop but the stands that take it too personal uh, I got a lot of bad you know backlash from that you know death threats stuff like that so we had conversations it was really great uh, if you haven't seen the interview check it out it's in my podcast, Diverse Mentality Podcast. The link is in the description below, so check that out. But we're going to be talking about Benzino stopping by the Drink Champs podcast. And when I was talking to Benzino, he mentioned he's going to appear on there. And, well, the episode is finally out. And throughout the episode, if you watch the full thing, Benzino goes in on Eminem, uh, you know, says F him, stuff like that. Uh, and then just talks about various things throughout his career, a uh, $55 million deal that was on the table for the Source magazine, uh, you know, touching millions of dollars and helping people out and just cool hip-hop stories that he's been a part of. And I, you know, he even told about a story about him being on a track with Tupac, which I didn't know. So I went to go check out the track. It is very dope, and Benzino actually killed it on the track. So I let me see if I can find the title of the track first. And the title of that track is called Killa. So just search up Tupac Benzino Killa. He actually was in the studio with Tupac, which is really dope. I didn't know that about the history of Benzino. So Benzino's been around for a while. He's obviously been in the hip-hop since the 90s. And, of course, being part owner of the Source magazine, he's uh, dealt with a lot of artists and different people and stuff like that. So throughout the interview, you know, he's talking about his history. You know, he, he, he pokes fun at Eminem, you know, disrespects him here and there. Um, but then, you know, he starts on Drink Champs, most of the guests drink. And then once alcohol gets in you, you start to, you know, speak on things with your full true feelings. And towards the end, that's what happens to Benzino. He starts crying on the podcast, shedding tears. And this is where his true emotions about things comes out. And this is what I've seen from the beginning. Uh, even with my interview with, with Benzino, you know, I got to kick it with him a little bit. I got to talk with him outside of the camera. He's a very, very cool guy, very down-to-earth, very humble guy, and just appreciative to be alive because he's dealt with a lot of death around him and dealt with a lot of racism, dealt with a lot of different things in life, cops shooting at him. He has an insane life story. Um, so just getting 
a chance to hang out with him, I could see a lot of different, you know, qualities in him and how great of a person he is. But when you look at interview clips and you just watch certain, you know, clip points, it may seem like he's a hater or he's this or that. But once the alcohol got in him, you could tell, you know, that's when he really spewed his like real emotions. And, you know, not to my surprise, but to some people's surprise, he actually likes Eminem. You know, he said, I, I don't have anything against Eminem. I don't know him personally. And he said that in my interview because I, 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 I pushed back and said, hey, why are you, you know, attacking Eminem for what his fans, his stands, you know, let me scratch that out. Not the fans, but the stands are doing. Because the stands are the extreme ones that go overboard and attack and attack and attack. That's not all of Eminem's fan base. That's probably 10% of his fan base. But that 10% can be very aggressive, you know, send death threats and call you all kinds of slurs and just be disrespectful straight up. But the other 90% are very cordial, very respectful. And every fan base has that. Every major artist fan base has that. So I'm not just singling out Eminem. Even in my interview with Benzino, I didn't single out just Eminem. But, you know, he, he talks about, you know, the gap and, you know, hip-hop, how it, it closed the gap between racism. You know, white and black people could enjoy hip-hop together and Eminem, though, got pushed, and he even says it while, you know, he's crying and talking about this. He says it's not Eminem's fault that he got pushed as this white rapper to divide divide people. And then he goes on to say that, you know, he would love to speak with Eminem face-to-face and that he would give him a hug if he saw him, that he has no actual hate towards him. And I've, I've known that from pretty much the jump, besides, like, when the beef was really ignited and they both hate each other. I've known that Benzino doesn't really actually hate Eminem. He's giving him props that he's one of the lyrically the best artists. He just, you know, when he's beefing with Eminem right now, he's he's trying to be entertaining for people. So he's going to throw things out there. They're going to catch headlines. But that that kind of works against Benzino because the blogs are just going to pick up those, and they're not going to pick up, you know, the, the actual good things he says. And that's the unfortunate part about trying to be entertaining. It's like game. The game does the kind of same thing where he'll throw out things just to be entertaining, but he doesn't. Most of the time, he doesn't really feel that way. So, you know, Benzino lets out his feelings. I'm going to let you guys watch the clip, and then I'm going to talk about more, uh, you know, what I think about it. Y'all don't understand hip-hop artists together. I don't hate Eminem because of his color. I don't hate you people. I don't fucking hate it. 20, I've been misunderstood my whole life. My mother's gone. She loved me. I'm not a bad person. I love hip-hop. Hip-hop isn't black against white. All my niggas are dead. I've been shot a few times. They're in jail. We're in a society that white America don't give a fuck about us, and hip-hop saved us. Hip-hop made white people believe that we was, that we was okay, that black people was okay. Hip-hop brought white people to us. And the powers that be didn't want that. They wanted Eminem to, to they wanted white people to just to buy it to Eminem. Eminem didn't have nothing to do with that. He was just used to the, he didn't, he didn't have nothing to do with that. Come on, Jay-Z speech. Jay-Z, you're my fucking <coughs> idol. One of my idols. You speaking up for Beyonce, but speaking up for niggas, the Grammys, they just never fucking, white people don't care about us. Come on, man. I'm tired of 22 years. I don't got nothing against Eminem. I got nothing against Eminem. Eminem can rap, but I care about us more. 
I don't want to go through. I don't want to talk about it no more. I don't want to, for 22 years. Every time I do an interview, they ask me about Eminem. The f you want me to do? My daughter came into the industry figuring that hey, I gotta be cool with Eminem because everybody's against my dad. You think this shit is f cool? Nah, man. We're failing as a people. All me and Eminem gotta do is sit down and talk with each other. Let's sit down and talk. Let's battle. Let's do whatever. But let's at least face to face meet each other. If, if that was to happen, would you give him a five? Fuck it, man. I'd hug him. You don't gotta clap for that. Oh, fuck that. I'd hug him. 22 years has been nothing but Eminem. It's not the man. Whatever Eminem thought back then, people evolve and they, and they progress. All I ever wanted to do was meet, dude. Just meet him and talk to him. We probably, just me and him sit in a room with him with nobody and no cameras and no phones. I don't want to hear this no more. All the white people, the thousands and thousands and thousands of white people that disrespect me for 22 years over this Eminem shit, they'd meet me and they'd love me. The main thing that I agree with Benzino about is hip-hop has, especially nowadays, unfortunately, has turned more into dissing ops and laughing about killing people. And it's gotten very, very violent as time going on. It's gotten even worse than I think in the 90s and 80s when that was really bad. But now it's in people's faces 24-7 social media and people are doing things for clout. So when Benzino's talking about that portion of hip-hop, I agree with him. You know, hip-hop's turned into something that you know, now it's just about violence, gang, gang, gang stuff. And back then, it had that, of course. But, you know, you would still have a balance between the two. Now it's just gotten to extreme portions where people are, you know, laughing at, you know, going shooting videos at people's grave sites and pissing on their grave and just doing all kinds of disrespectful stuff. So I agree with him, you know, with that part of the, the when he's, you know, ranting about, you know, hip-hop and, you know, not dividing. You know, bring everybody together. And Bizzino's always said that in interviews that he doesn't like that, he feels that like certain white people think that hip hop should be uh, just theirs and that Eminem is the hail king of everything and stuff like that. Another thing that I agree with him in the interview is the Jay-Z speech. And I talked about this on my podcast is that Jay-Z, it seemed like he just spoke up for his wife, Beyonce, and didn't really speak up for more of hip hop. He could have used that speech in a lot better fashion and way instead of, you know, how he did it. But of course, everybody's going to have their own opinions about things. So that's just my take on it. And Benzino feels the same way. Overall, I agree with Benzino on a lot of the stuff that he was saying. I do feel like he, you know, him and Eminem, it would be amazing to have them meet face to face finally. And like he said, no cameras, no, you know, recording, nothing. Just them chilling, hanging out for an hour, talking to each other. Because I'm sure both of them would walk away like, hey, you know, we, we don't hate each other. This is just us going back and forth and stuff like that. And fans getting in the way because really a lot of fans just get in the way and amp and amplify things. Because right now what I'm seeing is instead of people watching the whole Drink Champs interview, and especially the moment when he starts crying, they're instead just clowning him for crying. And they're not listening to the message. And that's the problem with a lot of this stuff. And it's social media in general, not even relating to Benzino or Eminem. Just in general in social media, People just watch clips of things and don't watch the full thing and critique that portion of the clip. And you can clip anything in any interview, any clip, anything online and make it look bad 
or criticize the person from that. So if you're going to criticize Benzino, at least watch all the interviews. And if you do actually watch the full interview, watch mine, the diverse mentality one. Watch that. We'll click the link in the description. Watch the full one. And I'm pretty sure because a lot of people were messaging me. And I know some people felt differently. Some people, you know, everybody has their own feelings on things. But a lot of people were messaging me saying, okay, I'm because I'm an Eminem fan, right? My platform is Eminem and 50 Cent for the most part, right? I'm a huge M and 50 fan. So that's what my audience mainly is, right? But a lot of people were surprised that I interviewed Benzino. But I was like, I'm still at the end of the day, a media outlet that I, I, I can't be, you know, biased towards one side. I have to be right in the middle. And that's what I was during the interview. I agree with some stuff Benzino said. I disagree with some stuff. But if you watch the interview, a lot of people messaged me and were like, whoa, you know, I used to dislike Benzino, but when I watched this full interview, I had a different, you know, take about him now. He made me change my mind on some things. He made me think about things differently. And that's the thing. I'm glad I got some people to watch a full Benzino interview, even if I have to be involved in it, to understand more, you know, of where Benzino's coming from. You know, so I that's all I say and overall. If you're going to watch, you know, Benzino cry on a clip, watch the full thing. And I think you'll walk away from it saying, okay, you know, he has some points. And, you know, he says, I'm going to, I would love to hug him. And I would hug him. Like that, that's his true emotions because he's super drunk. You know, like at this point he's gotten faded, faded, you know? So yeah, I just, I, I understand where Benzino's coming from. And I think, uh, hopefully him and Eminem one day can sit, you know, face to face and just have a conversation. And I think that would be really cool for hip hop. You know, at the end of the day, it's just distracts. Nobody killed nobody. You know, nobody's killed another person. Like at the, I think fans just amplify it a lot more than what it is. Uh, the real beef is when somebody dies on somebody's side. That's when it's real beef. But it just distracts back and forth and disagreeing and calling people names and stuff. That's not real beef. That's just competition. That's what it is. And we've gotten some great hip-hop moments from Benzino and Eminem, both. But yeah, that's it. Let me know what you guys think in the comments below. And, you know, we'll keep you guys updated. Let me know if you guys want to see Benzino back on our podcast. I definitely, I think I'm going to have him back in the future. Maybe more when the Eminem thing settles down because I just want to talk to Benzino about his career. I think it's super interesting. He's been around Easy e Tupac, every like hip-hop legend you can think of. He's had something to do with or been around. So uh, that, to me, speaks volumes of his longevity of how long he's been here. Whether people want to clown him for different things, that's just people you know doing the internet stuff. But he's had his longevity. He's done his thing. He's still relevant to this day. And people can, you know, say things like, oh, it's because of Eminem, it's because of this. Whatever. At the end of the day, people are still talking about him. Cameron has lost the lawsuit of a photo of himself. That's wild. But this is what happens when you don't know what copyright is and how it works. So let's go over the article. Cameron has been ordered to pay over 50000 to the photographer who captured his iconic pink fur photo in 2003 after he used it on his own merch without paying for the licensing. That's what happens, right? Yeah, it's you in the photo, but that photographer, that's, that's, that's a person's work at the end of the day. So let's go over more. According to Billboard, Judge William Martini ruled Thursday, February 15th, that the Dipset rapper committed copyright infringement and must pay Dejamila Kochran, man, I don't know how to pronounce these names, Dejamila Kochran, 40,000, 530 in statutory damages plus the 10,691 that Coach Ron spent to bring the lawsuit. Uh, it was apparently an easy win, and as Cam never even responded to the complaint, it's also pretty pricey. 
loss that could have been avoided as he would have only had to pay 5,790 licensing fee to get the images to use the image on commercial products. Look at that. That's simple, man. Uh, if somebody takes a photo of you and you didn't figure out the licensing, you didn't figure out the whole thing, and it's an iconic photo, just pay the 5790 That ain't that ain't a big of, big of, especially the camera. Come on, man. What's 5000 at camera? It's nothing. And you pay the photographer. You give him his props. You give him his money. Like what's what's I don't understand. I, I don't either people either Cameron didn't get told about this at all and had no idea and he just used the image and didn't know. Or he was trying to, you know, be slick with it and take the image and not, you know, pay the photographer. You know, I hope it's not the second one, but you know, uh I'm just hoping he was naive to it, ignorant to it, and didn't know. Because sometimes you're not, you know, you don't know these things, you don't know where the photo came from, you don't know that. But I mean, as a businessman, at this age, he should be like, okay, what is this photo? Where is it from? Is it licensed? Are we okay to use it? Because, yeah, it's you on the photo, but because you're a public figure, it works differently. You know, it's different laws apply to public figures and, you know, stuff like that. So, uh, you know, Jay-Z had his whole lawsuit with uh, Jonathan Mannon, legendary hip-hop photographer, and that, you know, ended in its own way with the photographer basically winning for the most part. Um, so... As previously reported, photographer Jamelia Rosa Colcon filed a lawsuit against the Harlem rapper and Dipset Couture LLC in 2023 for the copyright infringement, claiming she owns the copyright to the image. The photo in question was taken in Mercedes-Benz Fashion Week in February 2003 and shows Cameron wearing a pink fur coat and matching hat while holding a pink flip phone. Defendant Dipset Couture LLC, without permission or authorization from plaintiff, actively copied and displayed the photographer a photograph on the website as part of various product listings, merchandise listings, and engage in misconduct knowingly and in violation of the United States copyright laws. So, yeah, that's an iconic photo, man. Definitely an iconic photo that, you know, just pay the person. It's not that big of a deal, man. 5000 damn near $6,000. That's all you had to pay, man. And you could have had it going. So, uh, licensing is very important, and photographers definitely deserve their just due. Uh I don't think photographers and especially videographers are not appreciated enough. These are people that have captured moments that are forever will be in history and anything. Like, think about this. All, everything that you've seen online has had some type of videography or photography in it. You know, so think about that. Think about that. Everything online that you've probably seen has some type of photography or videography in it. And that's shot by somebody, that's edited by somebody, that's that's recorded by somebody. Somebody had a role in putting it out there. Every photo that you see, every videography, we don't think about there. there's actual humans. Behind. It's not AI, guys. Now, granted, AI is coming up with some crazy shit. Now they're coming up with videos that AI, you can just type in the AI and it'll make the video, which is scary because at a certain point, we're not going to know what's reality and what's fake, which I don't like to live in that world. Honestly, it's getting really, really crazy out here, but... Everything that's ever been shot, recorded, sent out has been by another human being that you've watched and seen. So think about that. Uh, people tend to forget about that. All the old classic photos of people that have passed away, no longer here. Somebody was there in that moment, snapped the photo, recorded the video. So we got to give them props. And those people deserve a lot more credit for preserving human history. Let's just say that because... Uh, you know, when we all pass away in a hundred years, we're all going to be out of here, you know, guaranteed hundred years. None of y'all live until 130. Okay. So a hundred years guaranteed. We're out of here. 
there's gonna be a lot of photos, videos of you and people and, you know, things like that. And that's a person that shot that at that time. So, and people are in, in the future are going to look back on it and be like, Whoa, this is crazy. This guy actually used to use a car to go places. Now we just teleport in milliseconds. You know, they're going to laugh at us for using cars and be like, these guys had to actually get in a car and drive and take 30 minutes to get somewhere. Oh my God. You know, so it's going to be crazy, but yeah, uh, I'm glad the photographer won to be honest with you. Schoolboy Q, he's dropping his new album, Blue Lips, on March 1st. And he's been kind of doing a, you know, promo media run. You know, not really a huge media run, but, you know, going on social media, talking to people and stuff like that. I'm excited for the album. I like the two tracks that are out so far. Um, so he believes something that I agree with. And at first, or at least when I was younger... Not that I'm getting older, but I just when I was younger, I used to have a different mentality when it comes to this, you know. But now I have a diverse mentality. Ha, 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 pun intended. Yeah, you guys get it. Uh, Schoolboy Q believes age is nothing but a number. Now, if you, this is taken out of context, it sounds crazy. It sounds like some R. Kelly shit, but it's not, thankfully, because <laughs> the media can do that type of shit. He's saying, I'm going to be rapping until I'm 80 years old. It doesn't matter to me what age I am. I like music. I'm going to be rapping still to them. So there's a person that tweeted at him, said maybe uh, Schoolboy Q, maybe, maybe releasing his best project so late in his career, everything about Blue Lips is magnificent. Rapping visuals and rollout. You know, and then he quoted that saying, late, told y'all on blank face, I'm going out like BB King. I'm rapping till I'm 80 on God. I like that energy, man. I like that energy because he doesn't box himself in. You know, um, a lot of artists said, you know, <clears throat> the game, you're 38 and you still rap it. Uh, I'm 26. Come on, bro. The game, that backfired like a motherfucker. <laughs> that is something that backfired on him badly. But I think hip-hop's going to have, like I said, like I said over the years, it's become to a point where now there's the younger generation, really young generation that likes whoever they like, Yeet, Playboy Cardi, whatever the hell. There's a middle generation that likes, you know, Certain type of artists like Cameron, Dipset, 50, G-Unit, blah, 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 me, basically. And then there's the later generation that likes a lot of the 80s and 90s stuff. Um, you know, there's now a whole separate, you know, it's going to keep growing like that. Eventually, there's going to be those that like the 70s or whatever, the 80s and 90s, they're going to, you know, get pushed a little bit more and there's, there's still going to be people there, but then it's going to, you know, move on and move on because we're going to get older as we get older. There's going to be newer generations that come. So hip hop is going to be a lot more expanded and it's going to be a lot more accepting of older artists. I mean, just look at it right now. We got Kanye still rapping, Eminem still rapping. Uh, how old is Kanye, by the way? That's a good question. I don't even know. He's in his 40s. Yeah, he's 46, about to be, he's four years away from 50 years old. Eminem is 50 years old. Benzino just dropped this track, 58 years old. Jay-Z is in his 50s. He's going to be dropping music. So we're getting a lot of artists 50s and 60s that are going to be dropping music and we're still accepting and listening to it. And we're still critiquing it, doing our thing. And that's just going to expand with hip-hop. So I can see years down the line, Schoolboy Q being 80 years old and people still listening to him. Now, I don't know what the fuck you're going to be rapping at 80 years old, maybe having erectile dysfunction, but I don't know what, what at 80 years old, it's going to be interesting to, to hear somebody rap at 80 years old. I'm really curious of that. Um, but... Yeah, I agree with it, man. I don't think age, I think saying, like, I never agreed with 
Eminem clowning Benzino for his age because Eminem eventually became that age. And I never agree with Machine Gun Kelly clowning Eminem for his age because Machine Gun Kelly is eventually going to become that age. It makes no sense to clown somebody for their age because if you're blessed enough to actually live that long, you're going to become their age as well. So I never understood that. Um, I was on Twitter and I, I clowned a Vitaly for his age. I called him a washed up YouTuber, old washed up YouTuber. And I only said that because he does so much immature shit. Like you would think at his age, he would mature by now. That's the only reason I mentioned his age. I said he's an old, you know, 40 year old washed up YouTuber. The only reason I mentioned his age is because of the immaturity. That's it. Um, I would never like, you know, I don't care that he's 40 years old doing YouTube. If he was doing YouTube at 40, 50, whatever, 60, do it. But just stop doing the immature stuff. You're doing content that is like for fucking 19 year olds. Like grow the fuck up at a certain point, bro. Um, but yeah, so I never, you know, I never understood the ageism or whatever stuff and clowning people for their age. I I'm, I would listen to School by Q at 80 years old. I don't care what artist is 80 years old. I'm still going to check them out. Eminem drops an album at 60, 70, uh, still has something to say. Dr. Dre gets 90 years old and still producing. I'm going to be checking it out. Snoop Dogg, whatever, whoever. So, uh, yeah, shout out to Schoolboy Q for speaking and standing on that business. Uh, let's get into it, though. Kanye West. We're going to first be talking about Kanye responding to Vulture's one getting removed off streaming platforms. So, Let's go over the article. Kanye West has sent a message to his fans after his joint album, Ty Dollar Sign, Vultures 1, was removed from streaming services. Uh, since his release on February 10, Vultures 1 has encountered a number of issues with the track Good Don't Die being removed from Spotify. The entire album was also temporarily removed from Apple Music on Thursday, February 15th, after a complaint was raised by his distributor. Uh, Vultures 1 was initially distributed by FUGA, but the company then said in a statement to Billboard that the long-standing FUGA client delivered the album Vultures 1 through the platform's automated processing, violating our service agreement. The album was then pulled from streaming before a new distribution agreement was reached with Label Engine, who had also managed the release of Vultures and Talking once again. After the drama, West posted a message on Instagram to his followers saying, with all the streaming platforms taken down, uh, taking the album down, go to yeezy.com to buy the album. Smiley emoji. I agree, man. Direct distribution is a better way of doing it. Um, but yeah, he's facing this, like this album rollout has been terrible. Uh, I, I love Donna too. I'm mad that it's still on that stupid playing thing, whatever that thing that Kanye released. I get he was trying to do something different, but people aren't going to buy that thing and then like use it just to listen to an album. That's that would never happen with on my end. My friend bought it. Shout out to him. Sounded really cool, but I, I just would not buy a whole product. That's whatever, how much it costs just to hear one album. I think Donna two is a very great album. I wish it would be on streaming platforms. Um, kind of missed a boat on that, especially the X, uh, X Tentacion song, even though that was released as an individual single with X, um, that was a great album, you know. So Kanye, I, I I salute him for doing this independently and figuring it out because, you know, at, at that level, we need more artists being independent and not relying on labels. So with that being said, let's get into my Kanye West Vultures 1 review. Now, I was trying to figure out a system of how to review this album, these albums that I'm going to be reviewing as time goes on. Every album that comes out this year, I'm going to try to review every hip-hop album. I'm going to try. You know, I still got the 21 Savage one to review, Benny the Butcher, Kevin Gates. I will be reviewing. The next one I'm going to be reviewing is 21 Savage, then the next one, Kevin Gates, then the next one, Benny the Butcher. 
And then I think there's more albums coming out. Obviously, Schoolboy Q and so on and so forth. There's going to be people dropping albums left and right. So let's go over this Vultures one. I have a, a, a system where I'm going to be grading it, kind of. Uh, so there's going to be the good songs. There's going to be the bad songs. And then there's going to be the neutral ones. Neutral is me saying that it's a good track, but it also has bad elements, and I don't know. I might end up changing my mind if it's a good or bad track. I know it's not the best thing to kind of have for a, a, a you know a review is to be in the neutral, but these are tracks that I love parts of it, but then I don't know if I'm going to like it because of a verse, because of a sample, because of this, because of that. But overall, it's leaning towards the good side. So these neutral ones mainly lead towards the good side. So let's go over it. Um, I'm going to go track by track, and then I'm going to give you guys my overall review of the album. So Vultures 1 dropped February 10th. It has 16 total tracks. Uh, features from Rich the Kid, Playboy Cardi, Quavo, Lil Durk, uh, his daughter, Donda West. Uh, lots of different features, right? So let's go over the intro track, Stars. And this is what I had to say about stars. So I put it on the good tracks list. I loved it. Very simple track. Enjoyed it. Very smooth. I don't really know what more to say about it. I loved uh, whatever whatever samples that Kanye be using. I don't know all these fucking samples that Kanye uses. I'm not a, you know, my I'm not the best with my words, guys. When I'm reviewing albums, I'm just gonna let you guys know. I'm not gonna say all these sympathies and trums and these percussions and all this stuff. I don't know all that shit. All right, I'm not a musician, but what I can say, it's it's a very, you know, simple track that is a great intro, you know, and uh, I liked it, man. I enjoyed it. Very, very, very great record. Uh, short in its own sense, but it is what it is. I enjoyed it. I put it on the good tracks uh, list. Keys to my life. This is on my neutral list. Uh I really, I don't know. I go back and forth on it. I think it was, it was, it had its own things that was good about it. But then, you know, I don't know. This is a really, really neutral track. It's not even good or bad in my eyes. It's just like, eh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, might be on my bad list, honestly, but it's all right. It's an all right of a track. I didn't really find too much time listening to it or really enjoying it. Third track, Paid. This is actually one of the first bad tracks. A uh, very simple track with simple bars with a repetitive ass hook. That actually, now go, think about this. I'm not a fan of Ty Dolla Sign, right? Going into this album, not being a fan of Ty Dolla Sign already puts it out of at a negative view on my end. But Kanye is such a great musician, great artist, genius in what he does that he can make me like Ty Dolla Sign at certain points. And on this paid track, he does make me like Ty Dolla Sign on the hook. Even though it's a repetitive, you know, it's just a nice... A melodic hook that I can, you know, I can repeat, you know, to myself, and I like the way it flows. Just, it's very good. And, you know, I just, I'm just here to get paid. I'm just, you know, it's, it's a very repetitive, very simple hook. But other than that, it's, it's got nothing to offer. I mean, a lot of this album has a lot of bars about, you know, ass, pussy, this, I fuck this girl. Like it, it's the same shit with the female rappers where they're talking about men and this and that. I'm tired of just the sex talk 24/7. Kanye's gone through a lot, and he could have used a lot of these tracks or a lot of parts on this album to really touch on a lot of deeper things. So it disappointed me on that aspect of, you know, like I got come with me. I got the booze and that drip misting. Like, 
cut walk and the cost is 15 little flu pass too fast old stomach to the new ass you can't afford you that's too bad like it was all right man this record yeah it's 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 on my bad list is the first track on my bad list uh next talking uh talking talking i actually love this record uh northwest killed it shout out to northwest um she i think is the better out of all out of jay-z's daughter and uh drake's son and anything music that they've done she is actually musically inclined i think she can be talented if she actually puts her focus on it uh she killed it she did her thing i really enjoyed her part and then ty dollar sign and kanye did their thing as well uh, i love the talking whatever sample whatever the hell that's from uh very very well well done it's on my good track list um you know don't try to test it it's gonna get messy so shout out to north man killed it uh you know, Kanye did his thing too. And I like the, once again, the clouds are gathering to release what they held in. I love that, man. And it's repeated throughout the track. Very, very well executed. So definitely one of my favorite tracks on the album. Uh, back to me. Beautiful big titty, but naked women don't just flow off the sky. You know, that's, it's been stuck in my head, man. The track overall, I think is very well executed. I just, the only complaint I have is when Kanye is saying the beautiful big titty butt naked women, like that whole part that he's saying, it, he repeats it so much and it's so long throughout the track. That's the only thing I dislike that I, if I, if I had Kanye change something, I'd be like sorting it up a little bit because it's too long or make it a hook where it's consistently repeated. Um, I think that he missed the boat on that, but I can kind of see why, you know, um, Let's keep zone and let's keep flow and let's you know that's that's a great great uh, chorus by Ty Dolla Sign, uh, but beautiful big titty but naked woman don't just fly off the sky you know yeah I keep saying that uh, Freddie Gibbs I gotta like round of applause for Freddie Gibbs man he flowed on this bitch so well Freddie basically saved this fucking track so much that if it was just this big beautiful big titty but I would have been like this shit's garbage. But the fact that it's coupled with that, and then you got Freddie Gibbs just rapping his ass off with amazing production behind him, I was really happy with the record, man. Uh, at that point, I was like, yeah, this is it. This this is probably one of the best tracks on the album, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, shout out to Back to Me with Freddie Gibbs. Even Quavo was on like a little bit of the chorus. But yeah, Hood Rat. I uh, hate this track. Repeated, repeated uh, chorus or whatever the fuck it is. Constantly repeated. It it drowns the record, the Hood Rat stuff. Uh, not a fan of this track at all. It's arguably one of the worst tracks. Uh, verses are letdowns. I think, what did I write here? I think uh, verse two from Ye should have been more used. Like the flow and the style should have been more used on the track. Um, but the Hood Rat repetitiveness was just drowning the track Overall, wasn't happy with Ty Dolla Sign's performance. Production was all right. Uh, it's probably the worst track on the album is the Hood Rat record, in my opinion. So that's where I stand with that. Uh, Do It. Uh, this track features Nipsey Hussle and YG. I love the, the... This track to me is neutral. Uh, I'm still not... I'm more on the... It's a better side of the track, but here's my issue with it. It starts out with Nipsey, which shout out to Kanye for featuring Nipsey on this. He kills, he starts it out, and then the way it transitions to Ty Dolla Sign is very, very dope. That's probably my favorite part about this track. Um, but, and I know people are probably going to, you know, this is just my opinion. I'm not a huge fan of YG. I felt he ruined the track. I'm not a huge fan of YG at all. I think 
as time gone on, his music's been pretty subpar. I liked him when he first came out with My Crazy Life, his debut album, and then as time went on, his music, to me, got worse and worse, and I just kind of stopped really listening to him. I think his music, you know, him being on this should have not happened, but, you know, with Nipsey being on it, YG being close to Nipsey, um, you know, uh, too much of Ty Dolla Sign on this track, by the way, too. Not much of Kanye, and like I said, not a fan of YG. So this track, the more that I think about it, the more I'm probably on the bad track side, but I... I because of my Nipsey, because I like Nipsey Hussle so much, you know, it's kind of more on my neutral side because I have a little little bias towards Nipsey when it comes to this track. But yeah, that's my thought on on do it. Uh, track number eight, paperwork. This track I had on my good tracks featuring Quavo. I love the production. Uh, each artist did their fucking thing on it. Quavo did his thing too, and there's a rumored. Lil Wayne version of it that I would have loved to hear. I, f- I felt like he would have he would have fit perfectly with the production of this track. Uh, I really enjoy this track. It's something that I went back to quite frequently, so that's definitely on my good track list. Uh, track number nine, Burn. This track is on my neutral list. It's, it's an all right track. I like the track because of the R. Kelly line where he says, uh, you know, Balenciaga... Uh, what do you say? Something about R. Kelly Balenciaga. I got to write this shit down better. Uh, where is it at here? At the end, he ends off the verse saying, man, the world gone mad, heard R. Kelly in the next Balenciaga ad. The reason why I like this is because Balenciaga used children as in a sexual nature. And people forget that. It's, it's going people over people's heads. People are still wearing Balenciaga. And a lot of this uh, fashion you know, products do that, unfortunately, very subliminally. And I like the way that Kanye kind of, you know, threw that out there and exposed that back to people's memory and reminded them again. Um, and using R. Kelly to, to kind of get at R. Kelly while getting at Balenciaga was very well done. But uh, overall, the track is just, you know, it's all right. It's in the neutral for me, like I said. It's not nothing that I was like, wow, this is amazing. But it's nothing that, like, I think is bad. So over time, maybe it'll, it'll grow on me. Uh, number 10, fuck some. Uh, this track was in my bad tracks. It features Playboy Cardi. I'm not a fan of Playboy Cardi. No, he didn't do this album justice. I can't get into Playboy Cardi. Never could, never would. Uh, you know, he sucked completely. Production is subpar. Very repetitive lyrics. And then that chipmunk sound effect that Kanye used for his part uh, ruined uh, just the vibe of things. I wasn't a fan of the track at all. So that track was in my bad tracks list. Uh, Vultures, track number 11. This track, to me, when it first came out, I enjoyed it, but then, you know, uh, I think what made me like this track a lot is because Lil Durk murked it. And I think Lil Durk, that type of production for Lil Durk from Kanye could make one of the best Lil Durk albums of all time. Because Lil Durk has that ability. I just wish Kanye would would take a lot of his production and just focus it on another artist. That'd be really dope. Because Kanye on himself, on himself does really well, but... Imagine Lil Durk with that type of production, with Kanye's type of a year. I think it would be really dope. So um, that's that's why, the, for me, the track is in the neutral. It's not really a good and a bad track. It's right in the middle to me because Lil Durk kind of really carried it for me. I love the production. I think it's perfect. Uh, Ye did a pretty good job on his verse as well. So uh, Bump J, eh, it's all right. So that's my kind of take on that, neutral on that. Um, right, dig like a carnival. She did, 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 did. This track is hilarious, 
but it's genius. And I had this track on neutral. I wanted to put it on the good good track side, but there's a few things that stopped me. Um, the product first production is amazing. The oh, the back like bro, Kanye's Kanye like this just shows Kanye's genius because this guy literally took the choir that's singing that. They he took it from a something that was a special inter Milan football club that sing it. He brought them all in the studio and made them sing that part. You know, Shroud Day Like Carnival, whatever the fuck they're saying. Fucking like perfection. Only Kanye's mind can think of something like this to put into a track. This is why Kanye is viewed as a genius because of this. It's perfection. But wasn't a fan of Playboy Cardi on it. Wasn't a fan of Rich Kid's verse on it. But once again, here's another but. When I listen to it in the car, it has a whole different vibe to it. So I think it depends on where I'm at when I'm listening to this track. That's why it's in the neutral for me. I don't really think of it as a bad track or a really good track. I It depends on the vibe I'm in and where I'm at. So that's why it's really neutral for me. Um, I think the hook overall, you should have just kept it as the intro. You know, when the intro starts out, you know, rah, rah, the people, oh, like they should have kept repeating that as the hook and made it a little bit better. Instead, they added, I think, Ty Dolla Sign over it or Rich the Kid or something like that. Let me go over the lyrics here so I know exactly. Um, you know, so go, go, go ahead. So good. She on a roll. She ride a dig like carnival. That part of the first uh, intro should have kept been kept as a hook. I know they, they they said the same thing on the hook, but they had Rich the Kid with the choir, Ty Dolla Sign and Playboy Cardi on the hook added with the choir. I would just like it to be just the choir. I think it was perfect like that. But uh, other than that, uh, Kanye's verse on this, he started it out really good, but then it ended off in a really bad way. I, you know, Kanye has these moments where his verses start really good and then it just falls off with some stupid shit. Uh, I like how he started out this, that Game of Thrones. He's not the clones. Eli, we're my rocket ship. It's time to go home. They served us the porn since the day we was born. Anybody pissed off, got to make him drink the urine. But then he said, and this is where like it just goes off, and I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about? Now I'm Yay Kelly bitch. Now I'm Bill Cosby bitch. Now I'm Puff Daddy rich. That's me too rich. And then this is where he gets to like the female sucking dick. It's like every verse is this like sucking dick, female this, female that, pussy this, pussy that. I'm tired of it. I you know Kanye's got so much more substance to him. You know he's proved it with millions of albums that I feel like he's just throwing it there. He doesn't have anything to talk about. But I'm like, dude, you've been through so much shit. Please add more substance to your stuff. Um, you know, the whole, I get the Yay Kelly and all this Bill Cosby stuff. He's saying basically I'm uncancelable. Like, you, you're, I can be put next to all these people and nobody's going to cancel me still. But then when he says, why she say she sucked my dick, then she say she ain't sucked my dick. She's going to take it up the ass like a ventriloquist. Like, I mean, since Taylor Swift, since I had the rollie on the wrist, I'm the new Jesus bitch. I turn water to Chris. Like, I don't like that. I don't like the Jesus talk, him thinking he's God and all this. This is where, like, the verse falls off and I'm not really fucking with it. Um, I th he started out strong, but other than that, this is why it's really neutral for me on this track. But I think he missed the boat on potentially making this a track that could be used across st soccer stadiums or football stadiums, whatever. If you're in Europe or overseas, you call it football. Here in America, we call it soccer. But having this song be used as a soccer anthem, that could have potentially happened. Had the lyrics been changed up, but that choir being in there, go with the beat. Oh my God. He could have turned this into a soccer anthem, something really big, but I think he missed the boat on that. But Kanye has his own vision for things. So I can't really knock it. I just don't like the, you know, the sexual talk always. And then Playboy Cardi and Rich the Kid. Eh. 
Eh, they're all right, man. The Ty Dolla Sign did his kind of his thing all right, so that's why it's a neutral to me on that track. Uh, continuing on, beg forgiveness. Uh, this track added on the bad tracks. Uh, I think he missed the opportunity on this track just to speak on how he really feels about things. Uh, you know, with the whole forgiveness thing, maybe you know he spills his heart out about you know all the things he's talked about that people have scolded him for, but he missed the boat on that. It just it's a very, I don't know, track that just kind of, I just skipped by. I didn't really care too much. I never listened to it back again. I listened to it probably two or three times when I was going over the album. But other than that, I never went back to it. Uh, track number 14, which is, let me see. It's that good song that got removed. This track, I love. The Good Don't Die. This song ended up getting removed from streaming platforms because uh, Donna Summer's estate uh, never got the sam sample clearance approved. They never approved it, so it got removed. Uh, the song is very well executed with a positive message that's going to impact people. And it already did. There was somebody that released a story about like, I was going to do something and then I didn't do it like suicidal. Like I was figuring out my life. He, they're already, it's already impacting people's lives. So that's why I like about this track. Um, it's, it's unfortunate. It's been removed off the album. Hopefully you can figure out the clearance, you know, clearance issues. Um, but you know, Got my heart and eyes. Don't die. Don't die. I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm alive. Just one more time. Don't die. Don't die. So it's positive matches. I love it. Um, you know, uh, overall great track, man. So I put it on the good list. Uh, next track, Problematic. This is another uh, good track. Uh, I think the production is insane. And the trumpets that come in towards the end, like in the middle of the track, I love perfectly executed. Uh, such a fire touch. And the Kanye snaps on his verse. I really enjoyed Kanye's verse. The way he flowed over it. Production just nailed it. Ty Dolla Sign compliments Kanye on this track a lot, which I really enjoyed. He didn't get in the way. I felt like tell like I'm not a fan of Ty Dolla Sign. So a lot of these times when I heard him, I was like, eh. And like kind of gets in the way of things. He doesn't really add too much in my opinion. But, you know, Kanye can kind of adjust my thoughts on, on Ty Dolla Sign, which he did. I actually appreciated Ty Dolla Sign more than I thought I would throughout this album. So he complimented Ye on this track very well. So Problematic is on my good tracks list. And then King is another track that was on my bad tracks list. Uh, he also could have used this track to speak on more what he's going through. Uh, the verses were subpar. It's Kanye with this kind of godlike complex saying that I can't be canceled, uh, which should have been something that he should have spoke on the verses more. Um, you know, he, he did speak on a little bit, but then, you know, it starts the girl sucking him off. He says, why is she, way she sucked me off. I could be paying for more. Huh? That's Tyler Allison's part. But he says, addicted to my bitch. Cause she acting like a slut. Bring four sluts right now. Shut the hell up before you get exiled. And I'm still blah, blah, blah. So it just goes into this. Like, I think he just missed on a lot of this stuff, man. Um, yeah, it is what it is on this track. It wasn't really anything impactful or something that I really, really like to listen to, but, uh, that's my review of the album. Let's go over what it is. So I have six good tracks, which is Stars, Talking with Northwest, Back to Me with Freddie Gibbs, Paperwork with Quavo, and then Good Don't Die, as well as Problematic. So those are the six good tracks I have on this album. Bad Tracks is Paid, Hood Rat, Fuck Something with Playboy Cardi and Ty Dolla Sign, uh, Beg Forgiveness, and King. Those are the bad tracks that I never went back to that I... Really don't give two fucks about. And then these are the neutral tracks, which I've been flip-flopping. Keys to My Life, Do It with Nipsey Hustle and YG, Burn, Vultures with Lil Durk and Bump J, and Carnival. I will play Burr Cardi and Rich the Kid. So that's six good tracks, five bad tracks, and then five neutral tracks. 
And if you look at the neutral tracks, you can put some of them in bad, some of them in the good. So overall, my rating for this album, 6.5 out of 10. A 5 out of 10 would have been right in the middle, neutral, where it's not a good album, it's not a bad album. A 6 to a 7, it means it's a good album. Not great, but good. And then 8 to 9 is a great album, and then obviously 10 out of 10 is classic. Anything below a 5 is just a bad album. So it's in the good category for me. It's a good album. It's not better than Donna 2, in my opinion. I think Donna 2 is better. I think Donda is better. So we'll see. It's it's the first installment to apparently a three-part series. So, you know, maybe it'll get better from here. I don't know. Usually sequels for Kanye sometimes don't get better. But to me, I like Donna 2 more than Donda. So, you know, that's you know, other people's opinion on how they feel about that. But 6.5 out of 10. I think that's a pretty good rating for Vultures 1. Considering, especially considering the fact that I don't like Ty Dolla Sign music that much. And then you got Playboy Cardi, which I don't like. And then you got Travis Scott, which I don't like. Uh, well, I, Travis Scott, I, I'm iffy. Sometimes I like him, sometimes I don't. Uh, and then you got, you know, Rich Kid or whatever the fuck. I don't know how he ended up on this album, but whatever. Shout out to him. I don't disrespect there. But yeah. That's how I feel about the album, 6.5 out of 10. And let me know what you guys think of the rating system, man. I'm trying to come up with a system. I think this is good. I think I'm going to switch the neutral tracks, and I'm just going to have to decide, maybe. Or I might just keep the neutral tracks. I think that's a good little touch where I can flip-flop because people watch my videos, right? And years down the line, they'll, they'll, they'll mention what I said in a lot of these reviews and stuff. Granted, years down the line, my mind changes. So a lot of these five neutral tracks, some might be in the bad, some might be in the good. But this is where I'm at with it. I think Carnival is a is on the good tracks part, but it's depending on where I'm listening to uh, the track, like I said. And then you got Vultures. It's It leans sometimes on my bad, sometimes on the good. Then you got Burn. Uh, it's in the middle for me. I don't know. That's more maybe on the bad side. Do It with Nipsey and YG's maybe more on the bad side. Keys to My Life maybe more on the bad side. So, uh, you know. That's where I'm at with the 6.5 out of 10. Hope you guys enjoy the review finally after I've said it 90 million times that I'm going to review the track album. So that's where I'm at with it. Let's get into new music. Speaking of albums and music, uh, Gunna dropped Bittersweet. Beyonce dropped Texas Hold'em. Yeet dropped 2093, which is an album I want to review because I'm hearing great things about that album. Uh, Ariane Grande, Mariah Carey, Yes and Remix. Uh, Polo Dream dropped Saris and Ferraris. Bryson Tiller dropped Whatever She Wants. NBA Youngboy dropped Case Close. Schoolboy Q dropped Yearn 101. Dua Lipa dropped Training Season. Uh, and that's it in terms of tracks that were released. Album sales. Back to Kanye West. Shout out to him. Independence. With the album getting removed off streaming platforms, taken on, taken off, tracks getting removed, this, that, so on forth. He managed to debut at number one, which is his 11th consecutive debut at number one. With 152,000 copies sold of the Vultures One album independently, no label. Round of applause, man! You got to give Kanye props. 152,000 is insane numbers for somebody that's not being pushed by a major label. It's just solely Kanye dropping his music, doing what he wants to do. So shout out to Kanye, man! Great numbers. This is also surprising. Usher debuted at number two with "Coming Home," and he jumped a lot in sales. He did 91000 for his album. And considering that his last album basically only did like 30000 he jumped a lot, man. People were checking for him because of the Super Bowl thing. Perfect timing, perfect marketing, dropping the album right as you do the Super Bowl because it's all over people's playlists when they're checking for your music. So uh, very great numbers, 91000 debuted at number two. Uh, number three, Noah Kanan, Stick Season, 86000 Number four, Morgan Wallen, One Thing at a Time with 62000 Number five, SZA, SOS, 
uh, with 51,000. Taylor Swift, 1989, number six with 51,000. Number seven, Taylor Swift, Lover with 49,000. Number eight, Toby Keith, 35 biggest hits with 48,000. Taylor Swift, number nine, Midnight's with 47,000. And Drake for All the Dogs, number 10 with 44,000. Uh, number 11, 21 Savage, American Dream with 42,000. Usher got back on the charts with Confessions at number 13 with 35,000 because it's a Super Bowl thing. That's pretty cool. Uh, going down the list, Travis Scott, Utopia, number 16 with 33,000. Nicki Minaj, Pink Friday 2, number 23 with 24,000. Drake, Take Care, number 30 with 21,000. That's crazy. Uh, Scissor Control, number 34 with 20,000. Metro Boomin' Heroes and Villains, number 37 with 19,000. Rod Wave, Nostalgia, number 38 with 18,000. Eminem Curtain Call, number 40 with 18,000. Little Baby My Turn, number 43 with 17,000. And Kendrick Lamar, damn, at number 50 with 15,000. That's crazy. All these older albums, Drake, Take Care, crazy still on the charts like that. People really do like that album the most from Drake. I disagree because nothing was the same is better in my opinion, but that's just my opinion. And that's it for today's episode of the Diverse Mentality Podcast. As always, guys, I appreciate you all. Support me by supporting Golden Eagle Energy Drink. Go to drinkgoldeneagle.com forward slash DMP. Please buy yourself a 24-pack if you can. Really appreciate it. It would help out a lot. As usual, uh, stream us, Spotify, Deezer, Podcast, YouTube, all that. Have an amazing night, day, whenever you listen to this, and peace.